Digging deeper into the day's top stories, you're listening to Jeff Andreas on 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Hello and welcome into the Jeff Andrea Show here on Tuesday, October 29th. And as always, thank you so much for tuning in. On today's show, I will be chatting with the chair of School District 73, Kathleen Carpuck, after last night's board meeting. Among the highlights of yesterday's meeting was the appointment of a new assistant superintendent elementary. Effective on January 1st, yes, January 1, 2020, Trish Smilly will be assuming the responsibilities for the overall supervision and leadership of elementary schools and educational programs and services from retiring assistant superintendent Rob Schoen. Schoen has held the position since 2015. So after five years, someone new will be uh, taking over those reins and seeing how that could potentially affect educational programs in the elementary grades here moving forward. So I'll ask Kathleen a little bit about that. Also, Kamloops City Council met with the school board last week for one of its biannual meetings between the two. And among the topics discussed was the two entities partnering on a new Parkrest Elementary School. So we'll hopefully get a chance to ask about that as well. Parkrest, of course, has been closed now for over six weeks or so, as, uh, probably more than that, seven weeks now as a result of that fire uh, back in early September. September. So we'll talk more about how the uh, plans are going in order to replace that. I'm sure we won't get into too much detail, but at least hopefully get a, a quick update on what happened at that meeting last week. In the second half of today's show, it's going to be all about finances. First, I will be joined by insolvency professional Dean Prentice. I had him on the show back in the summer where we talked about how the number of people in the province who say they are $200 or less away from financial insolvency was up to 44%. BC actually had the largest percentage increase compared to other provinces uh, in the month of August. Well, in a report released this month, 48%, so almost half of British Columbians, said they are more concerned about their ability to repay their debts than they used to be, and with that previous statement in mind, we probably should be. Maybe it's reports like the one that was discussed back in August that has made people more aware of their financial situation and has therefore made them more worried. I am not convinced this is a completely bad story because people need to be aware of their financial situation. Yes, ignorance might be bliss, but that lack of awareness can also be very, very dangerous. After paying all their bills and debt obligations, British Columbians say they are, on average, left with $601 at the end of the month. That's a drop of $129 since June, and the lowest level since tracking began in February of 2016. Now, nearly 46% of people in B.C. say they are left with less than $200. So that goes back to that earlier report from the summer. And that's up. That number is up 46%. That's up from the 44% that was announced back in August. That figure includes 26% of people who say they already don't make enough money to cover all their bills and debt obligations each month. That is a very scary concept. Over a quarter of people say they already don't have enough money to cover all their debts and bills. Think about that one. Now, if any of this describes you, then you might be, uh, you know, thinking this conversation is worth listening to. And if it doesn't sound like yourself... Well, I can almost guarantee it describes someone that you know. Like I said, 26%, one in four people, so they already don't make enough money to cover all their bills. I'm pretty sure you know four people. One of them likely can't pay back their bills. We live in a time where the financial climate can be difficult to navigate, as we uh, can clearly see by the numbers that have been laid out already. Uh, and making enough money month to month to feel financially stable and comfortable is not a luxury. Clearly, it's not a luxury 
that all of us, or really all that many of us, actually have. What are some of the big contributors to this big financial debt and burden that people experience? Well, I would have to expect that one of the possible debt loads that people are faced with is student loans. And that brings me to what today's final segment will be all about. A student with the Thompson Rivers University Student Union is making a push to see more grants being offered as opposed to student loans. It's all part of a provincial campaign, but I'll be talking with the one who is sort of the spokesperson for this campaign at a local level here in Kamloops. Yes, loans are the biggest way for people on low and middle incomes to access post-secondary education. So from that perspective, I guess you could say it's great. For many, the goal is to make more money upon graduation, but... How helpful is making more money when you're just stuck paying back more debt? In 2017, the average Canadian was graduating with over $26,000 of debt. $26,000. Good luck paying that back when you have rent and car payments and groceries to buy and a phone bill to pay and the internet and water and hydro. And then you look at what your financial picture looks like after that and you say... Well, I'll be honest, I was actually trying to find a funny movie clip or, or something where someone says, uh, where did all my money go, or something along those lines. But uh, honestly, when I looked it up, all I could find was people showing me how to use magic to make money disappear. And all I could think was, well, I definitely don't need magic for that. Right? I can make money disappear pretty quickly without any illusions. It's, uh, it's I guess you could say it's magical, but... I don't know if that would be the term I would use to describe it. So for those who are looking at large amounts of debt and are struggling to find a way out, maybe today's show can help. Even if you uh, are unaware of what your financial situation is, well, maybe this show will help you think a little bit more about it. And then that is a win, at least in my books. One of the biggest points of the show is to talk about topics that people maybe don't think about or provide a voice on issues that need more discussion and more details and more people to be aware of. And I think this show is going to help accomplish that a little bit, at least when it comes to your financial situation and what's happening in terms of the number of Canadians who are graduating for post-secondary education with an absurd amount of debt, or, as will be discussed in the next segment, what's going on with our local school board. So, with all of that in mind, let's get ready to dig a little bit more into yesterday's Thompson-Nicholas School District Board meeting, which was held, like I said, last night. And I'll be joined by the chair of that board, Kathleen Carpuck, Next. The voice of your community. Radio NL 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Here's Jeff Andreas. Hello and welcome back into the Jeff Andreas Show here on Tuesday. And thanks as always for tuning in. Uh, yesterday, School District 73 held its usual board meeting, although I guess it was uh, a little uh, a week later than usual as a result of uh, the election. So they took three weeks off instead of two. Uh, and I'm joined now for my usual post-school board chat with board chair Kathleen Carpa. Kathleen, thanks so much for coming in. Thank you for having me. So how you been keeping? Pretty good these days. Yeah. Um, had a good weekend sounds like or we an did. adventurous monday anyway for you from what you've been telling me um <laughs> caught in the snowstorm there on the coke yeah it was uh, it was fun i was down at the uh okanagan regional high school swim meet uh in penticton yesterday and uh, we sent a busload of students down to compete in that so it was a very successful meet perfect um 
Well, that sounds like a good time and uh, definitely an enjoyable Monday day. And then obviously I had to come back and then get ready for a board meeting. So um, maybe just let's start with, um, I saw a new assistant superintendent elementary has been uh, set to be uh, taking over that position as of January. Um, I guess, can you tell me a little bit about uh, what we can expect from uh, Trish Smiley? Uh, Trish Smiley. Smiley, sorry, excuse yes. me. Uh, she has uh, been with the district for a number of years. She is uh, one of our directors of instruction. Uh, she's been responsible for things like uh, special education, inclusion, uh, working through all of those supports for students. Uh, she is going to be a wonderful addition as an assistant superintendent. She's been an absolutely val uh, incredible resource uh, to our schools and our teachers. And so we're very pleased that uh, she's going to be moving up one step. And uh, she's taken over from Rob Schoen. I hope I'm saying that correctly as well. I'm mean, having a rough day with names, it sounds like. Um, I mean, can you maybe just uh, reflect on, on his work over the last uh, four or five years here? Uh, Rob Shane's been an absolute gem in the district for a very, very long time. Uh, he has been our assistant superintendent for elementary for about uh, five years now. And again, just an absolutely fantastic person, a wonderful sense of humor, uh, just always there for kids and uh, they're his highest priority. So we'll be very sad to uh, have him move on, but uh, we're not going to lose touch with him completely. He's still going to do some work with the district. Perfect. Well, that's uh, definitely a shift here for uh, the elementary students, but uh, sounds like it should be a good one. Um, so among uh, the reports that were presented at last night's uh, board meeting was the uh, Aboriginal Education Annual Report, a uh, 47-page document looking at everything from equity within the school system to, to language programs to funding those programs. Um, now, the report does say about 2,500 of 15,000 students in the district are of Indigenous ancestry, so about 17% of the student body. Um, I mean, clearly this is a significant portion of kids for you to be paying attention to. So just, you know, how critical is it to have these kinds of reports just to make sure that, you know, you are um, moving the path forward when it comes to these 17% of students? Uh, this uh, segment of our student population is very important to us. Um, there's been a lot of uh, systemic racism uh, in the past, uh, especially with residential schools. That has uh, given us a very poor legacy of serving that uh, group of students. And so it's something that we've really been focusing on for over two decades uh, in this district. Uh, we've seen a lot of uh, improvements uh, with that. Our graduation rate has been steadily increasing year over year. We have, if we graduate another 22 uh, Indigenous students per year, we will be at parity with our non-Indigenous students. And we're striving for that to create a, an environment where all students feel that they are able and expected to succeed, uh, that we don't have that feeling that just because they come from a certain ethnic background that they're less likely to succeed. So that's something that we've been working on for a very long time. And it's very important to us that if we want our overall graduation rate to increase, we can't leave 17% of our population behind. So we need to bring them up as much as we bring our regular students 
in order for everyone to succeed. Um, so I guess what, what does that look like? I mean, that's a very general term to say, uh, you know, what does that look like in terms of helping them succeed? But what, what sort of steps are being taken and sort of what does this report look at? Because it, it was a pretty significant document just in terms of, uh, you know, a lot of information in there. Um, but like you're looking at like an equity action prep, uh, project in order to work towards educational achievement parity. Um, you know, what, what does that look like? What is the, uh, an equity in action project? So our equity project is looking to see if we have systemic and unconscious bias within our system. So making sure that we have policies that address the needs of all students. Uh, making sure that a policy does not accidentally leave someone behind for some reason. And so those are important things that we look at just to make sure that we really are meeting the needs of all students. And when we go through and do that, we often find that there's other things that we haven't considered, that there may be other groups of students that we've left behind too because of an, an, an unconscious bias. So it's a systematic review of everything that we do in order to make sure that we're not leaving anyone behind. And I assume that that's something that would can pretty much be rolling, always ongoing, right? Always reviewing policy. This is something that we do on an ongoing basis. And as soon as we become aware of something that's not working for a group of students, then we have to look at it and shift it. Um, one of the things in this report, too, is ensuring uh, Aboriginal learners in elementary feel welcome at school. I was just sort of wondering, you know, is that something that's maybe more difficult for, for kids at a younger age, going from to school maybe for the first time from uh, from an Aboriginal background? Or uh, I'm just, just curious sort of why uh, the focus was put onto the elementary, at least from, from one particular action point. What we know is that if a student falls behind early, it's hard to catch them up later. And if we put emphasis on catching students early in those primary grades and getting them up to speed and catching them up to everyone else in their class, they're more likely to be able to continue that success through high school. So that's why we have a focus on elementary. Okay. And, and what kind of steps are taken, I guess, to, to ensure they are you know, feeling comfortable when they start? So we have a multitude of different programs that we have in place. Uh, we have literacy programs, we have numeracy programs. Uh, one of our uh, top programs that we have is our Rec and Read program that happens out in Chase. Uh, it's a summer program where we spend uh, time with a, we send in a teacher, they help with literacy. They also have some recreational workers to keep the kids active and in sports because we know that active kids actually learn better. And so with that program, we're seeing some tremendous gains. Uh, here with School District 73 Board Chair Kathleen Karpuk. Um, I also wanted to ask about uh, partnerships with uh, TRU because uh, the part of it was exploring partnerships with Thompson Rivers University for uh, support worker and teacher training as well. So, uh, I mean, what, what uh, is the gap, I guess, that exists within those positions right now and how can a partnership with TRU maybe help with that? One of the things that we know is that the more training and experience that a teacher, an, an assistant, an education assistant have when they come into the classroom, the more able that they are able to have children succeed. So we work with TRU to have them provide programs for the professionals that we need. So we serve the community by making sure that the programs that we need are supported academically through TRU and they're able to serve the community by having programs that are available for students who are interested in going into those fields. Makes perfect sense. Um, and uh, one other thing was creating a plan to construct a traditional winter house at McQueen Lake Environment Education Center. Can you tell me a little bit about what that plan is right now or where things are? 
So we have received a grant from the uh, Kamloops Aurora uh, Rotary Club to fund that. And uh, they have generously given us, I think it's $30,000 towards that project. And we are working uh, with the Aboriginal Education Council and to make sure that it's correct, that uh, when we put it up, that it is actually the real thing. Um, so we're relying heavily on their expertise and knowledge and we will hopefully have that being constructed so that that becomes another learning opportunity for all of our students. Okay, so the Aboriginal Council will be kind of leading, leading the way on that project. Any timelines at this point? I mean, it's probably still pretty fresh. Uh, we don't have a timeline on that yet, but okay. hopefully soon. Perfect. Um, I also did, uh, anything else you wanted to highlight on, on, uh, in respect to last night's board meeting that uh, maybe we haven't touched on just yet? Uh, so one of the things that we did talk about was vaping. Um, and concerns that the board has with vaping. Uh, we did pass a motion last night to write a letter to Minister Adrian Dix about our concerns around vaping and the need to uh, revisit the legislation, especially around marketing to children. And uh, we have some serious concerns around that. Uh, the statistics, latest statistics is that um, in the United States in October, there were close to 15,000 incidences of illnesses related to vaping, 32 deaths in one day. Um, we've been informed that there has been a death in Canada now that's related to vaping. So this is a serious concern for us. And uh, we're going to be taking a very large education program for our students. We're going to be educating every student from between grades seven to 12. Uh, with, again, another partnership with Thompson Rivers University and the Respiratory Technology uh, Program. They're going to be coming in and talking to kids about the health dangers of vaping. Okay, well, maybe that's something I can get into more with them. Um, I did have the BC School Trustees Association on yesterday, and they had a pretty extensive conversation about that on the weekend as well. Um, not a lot of time here, but I did just want to get maybe a quick comment because I saw this out there in, in some other places. Just uh, I know there was a city council meeting with you guys last week, and there was some discussion about partnering on uh, replacement for Parkrest. Just sort of what uh, was discussed, or what can you tell me about sort of what that partnership will look like? So when we have a school uh, that we're building, and we're hoping to be building Parkcrest soon, um, there is always the opportunity to partner with our municipalities to add on to that. And so in this case, when we build an elementary school, we build an elementary school-sized gym, which means lower nets, uh, smaller floor space. Uh, but the city has agreed to consider uh, putting some funding in place to be able to increase that gym to a full-size gym, to have adult-size nets so that we can raise and lower them so that it's appropriate for not just elementary students but also for adult basketball games. And that would go towards addressing some of the needs of the community for having some hard court space. So that's an opportunity where we've done that in the past with uh, Logan Lake and uh, with Pacific Way. Awesome. Well, Kathleen, that uh, wraps up our time, but thanks so much for coming in as always. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Awesome. That was SD73 Board Chair Kathleen Carpock. Uh, coming up, people in BC appear to be getting deeper in debt, or maybe more people are just aware of that debt. I'll be chatting with licensed and solvy trustee Dean Prentice after the break. Radio NL. RadioNL.com. Local news now. Your opinion. 
Call or text 250-374-5345. Find us on Facebook or on Twitter at Radio NL News. This is Jeff Andreas on RadioNL.com. Welcome back to the Jeff Andreas Show here on Tuesday. Uh, back in the summer, I had a conversation about how the number of people in the province who say they are $200 or less away from financial insolvency was up to 44%. Well, now nearly 46% of people in BC say they're left with less than $200 after they pay all their bills. So clearly a bit of a different figure from that summer report, which also uh, this report includes 26% of people saying they already don't make enough money to cover all their bills and debt obligations each month. Here to talk about this with me is licensed insolvency trustee, Dean Prentice. Dean, thanks so much for coming in. Good morning, Jeff. Good to be here. So, I mean, the fact that these figures seem to be increasing in terms of the number of people who seem to be closer and closer to being unable to pay bills, is it surprising to you right now? It, it's not surprising. and If anything, it's surprising that it hasn't increased more. Uh, there's a lot of uncertainty. People are concerned, especially with the softwood lumber issues, that uh, uh, they don't know if, in a year from now, if a lot of people, if they're going to have a paycheck. So I'm actually surprised that the uh, the confidence level is, is still fairly strong. Um, one thing I did want to kind of maybe ask about, too, was by look at the numbers gonna going up a little bit. Um, is this entirely viewed as maybe a bad thing, the fact that people seem to be so close to debt, or is it maybe a good thing in the fact that more people seem to be aware of the fact that they might be closer to being unable to pay bills? Exactly. I think that's the benefit, is being aware of their situation, and a lot of it's to do with, uh, you know, with, with more publicity so that people are thinking about their debt more. They understand just how precarious their situation can be. It doesn't take a lot to uh, put someone into a position where they can't pay their bills. An unexpected event, a small sickness, uh, an injury. These are often the cases where people then find they have no wiggle room left in their budget. Um, I mean, how, how scary is it? Do you hear stories of people who are coming to you maybe for advice or, or anything who are just like really afraid of kind of what the next month or even day might look like? All the time. I, I think of one senior that came in to see me about a month ago, and she had had this feeling for probably two years, but she was so scared to think about it, to talk about it, that she didn't want to get to, to ask for any help. So I think a lot of people have the fear, but they just don't want to talk to and share that fear with their family and friends. Yeah, and I guess, um, you know, a lot of, like I was saying in my intro here to the show, you know, ignorance is bliss, and the fact that if you don't know your financial situation, you know, it's maybe life's a little bit more free-spirited for you, but um, I guess that's probably not the best way to live. I mean, you, you, what is your opinion, I guess, or what is your advice to people who maybe don't know their financial situation right now? Should they go about figuring out kind of what things look like? It, it's a help for everyone, you know, but regardless of your situation. I think most people know their situation, but they don't want to face it. They'll ignore it because they can get through today or they can get through this week. And all it takes is that one little event where then they're forced to, to make a decision and they realize that if they had uh, made some choices perhaps a few months ago or even a year or more ago, they would have had more choices to make. But if you ignore it to the end, then sometimes you're, you're, you have no choices left. Uh, yeah, one of the stats from, from this report was uh, about 45% of British Columbians say they don't think they'll be able to cover all their living or family expenses for the next 12 months without going further into debt. So is that sort of a kind of a, a look at as, uh, you know, maybe I'm okay for the week, but uh, probably not going to be the case in a full year from now? Or, or how does that figure kind of break down in your mind? Is it a matter of week to week or is it like, you know, I'm, I'm okay right now, but probably not going to be okay in 12 months? 
Well, it's interesting when someone thinks that they're going to be okay because they can use debt to, to get them through the, the, the year. year. Or really, what they should be looking at is, what do I need to be doing to be able to get out of debt? So it's very concerning if someone's looking at using debt to help them get through each day and, and each week. Do you think a lot of people maybe are just afraid of the fact that, you know, if I start paying off debt, that I'm not going to have any money to, to feed myself or things along those lines, so they don't even bother trying to get out of debt? I think w w it's, a, it's a concern, but most people, if they're in that situation, they're paying down their debt so they can reuse it again to buy their groceries and, and daily household goods. Unfortunately, with the interest they're paying, it's a very slow spiral. And if they don't change their situation or change their something in their, in their budgeting, eventually they're going to run out of credit and then uh, uh, they won't have that availability to, to buy those basic goods. Uh, here with License Insolvency Trustee Dean Prentice. So uh, I guess what, what do you believe people should be doing to make sure that they're on top of their financial situation? What, uh, what steps should people be taking now uh, to make sure that, you know, whether they're in debt or not, that they're you know, not getting deeper and deeper in, into that debt? First step is to is just going right back to making a simple budget. And I'm a great believer in budgets, but I also think that people make them very complicated and they want to give up on them very quickly. Uh, just starting by putting things down on paper, just what you know and what you guess where your money's going. For a lot of people, they actually don't, uh, they don't really know where they're spending their money. Put down what you're, where you think you're spending your money and over the next week, just try and track it, even if it's roughly, and then compare it to what you thought you were spending. I think most people find that there's a lot of expenses that are, are much higher than they were planning on, and that's why they don't have the money to buy the essentials or pay down their debt. And that's probably when they start looking at uh, that other income, like a credit card or something, that, not income, I guess that's the wrong word, other form of paying things down than the income you actually have. Well, I think you nailed it on the head, is that people look at credit cards and lines of credit as income, as something that they can go and spend, whereas it's debt. And uh, debt, debt is, well, I'll say this, credit is a tool. Now, with credit, you can build a foundation, but you can also just dig a big hole to fall into. So I have nothing against credit, but it's using credit to build for your future, not to simply try and get you through the next week. It's a different way to look at that, I guess. Um, as an insolvency professional, obviously, you, you would think you would have, um, you know, encourage people who, you know, are really, really worried about their situation, maybe to, to seek help from someone who, like yourself, who might be able to, you know, rectify their situation or at least take the steps to start, you know, that process. Um, do you have any message to people who maybe think, you know, if I, if I look out for help, I'm already in debt, it's going to cost me money to seek that help, um, and all you're going to tell me is, you know, to put a few extra pennies away in order to pay down my debt and that's not really going to help me because I already know I should be doing that, but I don't. I mean, do you see that attitude a lot? And, and I guess what's your message to people who maybe have that? I think the, the first step is to write down what your debts are so you know how much you actually owe. To make up a simple budget so you can look at yourself, how much can I actually afford to pay down this debt? And the, the three questions I always ask people to to look at when they're trying to find a, a solution is, realistically, what can you afford? Second, what can you commit to? Because if you don't know if you're going to have an income or in, in six months, it's very hard to commit to a long-term repayment. But also you have to figure out what's gonna give you relief. And if being stressed of your debt for the next two, three, four years, I don't think that's a very good solution. That's why we always mention to people, just give us a call to come in. We can give you a free consultation to tell you, here's our view of your situation, and we'll outline what it would cost you to pay off your debt on your own, or if you tried to get a bank loan, 
or through a credit counseling program or through a proposal to creditors for bankruptcy. There's no charge. I think one of the, the uh, fears that people have is that by coming in and talking with someone, they're making a commitment. And trustees, we don't charge for consultations. It's always a bit of a shame when people go and pay for someone to give them information and then come to a trustee afterwards. Yeah, and that's, I guess, the, the point I was trying to make, too, is, is you, you do have that ability to get some advice for free, at least uh, to, start, to start with. Yes, and, and trustees, we're the only licensed professionals who can actually help people uh, make proposals to reduce their debt. A lot of times people are looking for help and they're being charged a fee. What they don't realize is they can come to the trustee and get the same information for free. Um, as we talk more about these reports, and I believe this is our second conversation now that we've had about sort of these issues, I mean, are you seeing more people come seek out help? Uh, right now, Kamloops is, is seeing quite an increase in the number of insolvencies. And when I say insolvencies, that's bankruptcies and proposals. Most people actually currently file proposals, which is a, a reduction in debt. It's not a bankruptcy. It's to work out a payment plan. But yes, we are starting to see that increase, remarkably a lot with seniors too. Um, I did also want to ask a specific question about about seniors, because um, uh, what, what did I have it here? Um, there was I can't remember the figure off the top of my head, but it was in here that most people are you know think they might uh, be able to retire without any debt, but that doesn't mean they have any savings. Um, I, do you have any sort of uh, intel into that figure? Just talking about how people are retiring and they think that they can retire, uh, you know, without having to owe anybody necessarily any money, but that doesn't mean they have anything in the bank to be able to actually live their life. Well, the, the difficult part is that if, if people view that as being debt free, what they're not taking into account is as we get older, we actually have more expenses due to medical issues um, and family issues, perhaps helping out uh, uh, children. So not having debt now doesn't mean you actually aren't going to go into debt in the future. And I think that's one of the reasons there's been the increase in, in seniors filing proposals in bankruptcy is because they thought if they were debt-free when they retired, that meant they would continue to be debt-free. That's a pretty scary situation to think about. Um, okay. Do you have any idea what the breakdown of age would be when you're talking about uh, you know, people in debt? I mean, are we looking at, uh, is it predominantly people who are middle-aged with families or are you know, younger people coming out of school uh, you know, facing a, a financial burden? Uh, you know, do you have any sort of idea sort of where the particular age groups seem to be more troublesome? Uh, currently, I'd say it's in the 40 to 60 age group, and that's because a lot of the people who had stable jobs, and if they're if a mill is shutting down or there's been a reduction in trucking, they're finding it harder to get employment again. Uh, that that's the biggest increase that we've seen. Young people coming out of school, their student loan debt is still a serious issue, and we find that the student loan debt, in my opinion, it's taking longer to pay off and people are having a harder time because they've taken out so much student debt compared to what they used to. Yeah, and that's actually the topic of uh, my next guest is coming on. We're talking about uh, the uh, possibility of having more grants instead of loans to maybe uh, help ease some of that financial burden as they come out of school. Because uh, I was looking it up, 2017 data showed that uh, $26,000 was the average debt that students were graduating with. So it's going to be pretty difficult to, to graduate and then try to find a job and then uh, start paying that debt down. And that's probably a big contributor, I would think, to some of these numbers. Yes, and of course, as you're trying to pay the student loan debt down, that's often when people are now starting their careers. They're taking on some debt, perhaps for a vehicle purchase, getting married, having children. So that ability to pay down the debt actually may be decreasing rather than their, in their income going up and having to be able to, the ability to pay down the debt. So often student debt, student debt can be seven, ten years old, 
whereas most students probably thought they would have had it paid off in three or four years. Yeah, and graduate, you're excited for a new job to maybe make a few few bucks, but uh, you're actually just uh, having to spend more. That's the way it goes, I guess. Eh? That's it. All right, do you have anything else you want to add while I have you in here? Well, I think if people are concerned, they can certainly call a, a trustee. Uh, we're available at MNP 310 Debt. And the one thing I would like people to understand is it is confidential. I know when the senior came in to see me, they were most worried that someone would find out that they're coming in to, to talk to get financial help. They've, people feel there's a stigma, and yet once the people come in and talk and they realize that it is confidential, something, something's not going in the paper, they just they, they wish they'd called us a year ago. So I think that's the most important thing is just call for help, get some free help from a trustee. Awesome. Well, Dean, thanks so much for coming in. I really appreciate you taking the time and uh, look forward to doing this again. Thanks, Jeff. Good talking with you. You as well. That was Dean Prentice, insolvency professional there with MNP. Uh, coming up after the break, the subject of debt and concerns about finances will continue as I take a look into the issue when it comes to students. A member of the Thompson Rivers University Student Union is hoping to lead a campaign pushing for more grants instead of loans to help people pay for post-secondary education. So I'll be chatting more with him after this. Listening to Jeff Andreas on Radio NL 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Welcome back here on Tuesday, October 29th, and thanks for tuning in to me, Jeff Andreas. Uh, according to Stats Canada data from 2017, the average Canadian university graduate finishes school with more than $26,000 in student debt. According to the latest Nation National Graduate Survey 2016, the average student debt for a bachelor's program in BC is over $30,000. Obviously, that's a, a tough hole to climb out of when you're just looking to start your career. And now the government at every level has often talked up their education plans and how they'll help students pay for school. Uh, even Justin Trudeau was talking about this, uh, extending the student loan grace period to two years during his most recent campaign. Um, now, would it hurt to see that timeline extended? Maybe not, but uh, how much is it truly helping, especially for those who may be having trouble finding employment within their field of study. Well, one Thompson Rivers University Student Union member is, is helping to call on upper levels of government to start talking more about handing out grants to those looking to achieve higher education. I'm joined now by, by Vice President External of the Trusu Campaigns Committee, Cole Lawrence. Cole, thanks so much for joining me today. Hi, Jeff. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem. Thanks so much for coming on. So, Cole, let's just start by uh, taking a, a look at sort of some of those numbers. So you guys are, are pushing for this campaign, uh, grants, not loans. Um, you know, why is this something that, you know, is so passionate for you? And, and sort of what are the concerns that you're seeing as a current uh, post-secondary student when it comes to, to racking up those debt levels? Um, for sure. So uh, I'm with the, uh, the campaigns committee of the student union. And we know from uh, our position that so many students have a tough time getting into university. And once they're in university, they have an incredibly tough time paying for their university, which uh, actually has students becoming more and more, um, like, not so much for the idea of going into university and paying these, paying these huge costs. So what the student union is doing is pushing the provincial government into creating an upfront, comprehensive, need-based grant system in BC, um, which is actually the only province in Canada which does not yet have a grants program. Yeah, and how shocking, I guess, is that for you to see that BC, and, and maybe how disappointing is that as a BC student to see that this is the only province that uh, is in that situation? Well, it is, it is incredibly disappointing. I mean, students, of course, are incredibly grateful for the student financial aid options that they are presented with every year. It's just, it's the case in BC right now that we actually 
we actually don't have the best student financial aid systems working in our favor, which is honestly just an unfortunate reality at this point. So there's obviously a number of ways that people kind of go about paying for school. Uh, you know, you look at uh, registered education saving plans or maybe loan remission programs. Uh, governments always ta talk up their education tax credits. Um, what are some of the concerns you see with these current models? Um, you know, just from a student perspective, obviously, uh, you know, you're continuing to, to rack up debt through these particular models, but you uh, well, obviously are pushing for grants. So uh, kind of what is your concern when looking at how students currently pay for school? And, uh, you know, how would this grant issue, uh, if you were able to see more grants being available and presented to students, I guess, just how would that sort of change the way people go about uh, attending school and, you know, finishing school and, and being able to actually live a life when they do graduate? Yeah, for sure. So, right, so you just mentioned um, three different versions of student financial aid that are available to students right now. Um, RESPs are um, are you know, useful for a lot of students, but so what an RESP is, is a registered education savings plan with the, uh, the government of Canada, which essentially provides matching grants to families who put aside money when um, their child is, is younger, and then that money is, you know, matched while that, that child is growing up, so that student has that additional, additional income or additional funds, basically, to pay for their university once they get to university. The problem with that system in particular is that that disproportionately um, essentially benefits high-income families who typically need um, the least financial support. So that's one problem with the RSPs. A problem with the loan remission programs, like you mentioned, is um, basically that loan remission is problematic because it provides little to no assistance for students who are actually debt-averse or who are unable to pay for the upfront costs of their education. And as you mentioned with tuition tax credits, you know, they're great for a lot of students, of course, but the majority of education tax credits are actually transferred to a future year, which uh, doesn't actually result in any immediate financial relief or security for students. So those are problems associated with each one of those versions of student financial support. Our, uh, we, have, we have data essentially here to, um, to prove kind of that the reasons why grants make for the best student financial aid system is that they actually have been shown to um, uh, they've been shown to be the most effective at improving students' likelihood to enroll in university and stay in university and uh, to uh, there and like earn a bachelor's degree or continue their studies or whatever. So yeah, uh, Cole, we got about a minute left here, so I'll get you out of here on this. So when you're talking about a push for more grants and not loans. Are you? Uh, what exactly does this campaign look like in terms of the, the the grants that you're looking for? Are you looking to see students basically be offered free education, or what? What exactly are we talking about here? Uh, so what it is, is a grant system. The one that we're fighting for is a form of student financial aid that targets need. So basically, every year before tuition is due, students would be aware of what their grant eligibility is, and then be able to plan accordingly from what money they'd be guaranteed from the provincial government heading into paying for the tuition for that coming year. So essentially, if a student's income is, you know, X amount of dollars, they'll be guaranteed X amount of funding from the government to partially pay for their tuition costs. I think that's a pretty nice breakdown of what you guys are pushing for. Thanks so much for doing this, Cole. I really appreciate you taking the time, and, and uh, good luck with the campaign. For sure. Thank you very much. That was Trusu's Cole Lawrence. Well, 
That pretty much wraps up my time here today. I want to thank all my guests one more time for joining me. And, of course, a big thank you to all of you for listening. And, uh, yeah, if you are worried about your current financial situation, well, don't be afraid to seek out some help. Uh, yeah, so whether you join me here for a short while or a long while, just remember, I enjoyed our time while it lasted. I'll be back here tomorrow at 9.